My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with James Favell and Muhammad Ali Omir. On October 16th, 2017, the 12,000 members of the Ontario Public Service Employees Union who work as faculty, librarians, and counsellors in the province's 24 community colleges went out on strike. The key unresolved issues for striking faculty were the dramatic increase in precarious part-time work in the college system in recent decades and questions of academic freedom. Fully two-thirds of faculty at Ontario's colleges are part-time contract workers who make considerably less money than full-time faculty and have little or no job security. The union was asking to bring the ratio of part-time to full-time up to 50-50 and to enhance job security measures for part-time faculty. And in terms of academic freedom, they wanted greater faculty involvement in academic decision-making and greater classroom autonomy, as for instance seen in the university system. James Favell is a student in the Social Service Worker Program at Centennial College in Toronto, and Mohamed Ali Omir is a student in the Community Worker Program at George Brown College, also in Toronto. Like a lot of other students, as it became clear that the strike would not be a short one, they were concerned. They were concerned about the disruption to their semester, of course, but they were concerned as well about a lot more than that. It was pretty clear to them from the start that the issues that the faculty were striking over were tightly tied to improving the overall quality of education for students. That is, that precarious work and lack of academic freedom are not just bad for faculty, they're bad for students too. Moreover, both James and Muhammad have had plenty of experience themselves with precarious work and will likely face more when they graduate and seek employment in their fields. So they see fighting back against the growth of precarious work as important for all current and future workers. And to top off their list of concerns was the fact that most existing formal student organizations seemed unwilling to speak out in ways that reflected these understandings of the possibilities for and importance of solidarity between faculty and students in the fight to improve the college system in Ontario. So James, Muhammad, and other students like them on a range of campuses started acting in solidarity with faculty. At the beginning, they did this as individuals. They would keep their eyes open for rallies organized by the faculty on their campuses, and they would attend them. They would participate in online conversations and speak in support of the union's demands and of faculty-student solidarity. And as the strike continued, they began to find each other online, message each other, compare notes about their respective campuses. A couple of weeks into the strike, there was a big rally outside the provincial legislature at Queen's Park that drew people from across the province, and that was where many of the students from different colleges first connected in person. A couple of weeks after that, they organized the first major student-led rally in solidarity with faculty, and over the course of all of this, they were consistently and pleasantly surprised by the level of support they found among their fellow students for the faculty and for the idea that Ontario's colleges need some major changes. 
Five weeks in, after faculty voted overwhelmingly to reject an offer from the College Employer Council, Ontario's Liberal government legislated the faculty back to work and sent the outstanding issues to binding arbitration. The strike was over. Muhammad, James, and the other students who had come together during the strike decided that they needed to keep their momentum building. So they founded Ontario Students United as a progressive student voice at Ontario colleges. They're seeking greater accountability and democracy in the college system, with a greater role for both students and faculty in decision-making, and they're committed to fighting in grassroots ways for accessible, equitable, high-quality education. They held a day of action in December with participation at five or six colleges, and they're engaged in a speaking tour in January, hoping to catalyze the formation of Ontario Students United chapters at even more colleges, and to build towards the province-wide day of action called by the Canadian Federation of Students Ontario for February 6th. Muhammad and James speak with me about the recent strike, about the importance of solidarity between students and workers in the context of the education system, and about the work of building Ontario Students United as a new progressive grassroots organization for college students. I'm James Fodell, I'm a social service worker at Centennial College. Uh, Mohammed Ali Omir, community worker at Student George Brown College, the coordinator for Ontario Students United. James is the spokesperson for Ontario Students United. Ontario Students United is a collective of students from across Ontario at the community college level who have come together initially around the faculty strike of 2017 and have continued on since to fight for more accountability and democracy on our campuses. For myself, it all started at my campus. As a social service worker, our very first code of ethics is the pursuit of social injustice. And, you know, when this first started, it was just the injustice that was being thrust upon our faculty members, the fact that they're being exploited and forced to work 60-hour work weeks and only paid for 12, 20, or, you know, whatever it is. The fact that they're not paid for their marking. Uh, when I uh, talked to a few faculty members and they explained the situation to me that they only paid for in-classroom time. And then we started from there. I'll be the first one to say, a few months ago, I never believed one voice mattered. The more I jumped into this and the more we reached out to each other and connected with other student bodies that were being active on their campus, the more I bought into it and saw their enthusiasm and we just continued to move forward and develop from there. Myself, I was a student organizer in the past as an elected student union leader at my campus in George Brown College and I was just in the process of returning to school when the strike took place and I was invited out by faculty at Humber College to speak and perform as part of the rally. When I went there, it really sparked something in me, you know, working on advocacy at the community college level in Ontario for many years in the past and being there and seeing faculty fighting back made me feel like I had to join the fight, which I did. So the community college system in terms of student organizing is very interesting. We have three different umbrella student organizations that student unions can be a part of. We have USA Ontario University Students Alliance, which represents strictly university student union locals. We have the College Student Alliance, which represents strictly college student union locals. And we have the Canadian Federation of Students, Ontario, which represents student unions from both the college and university level. Now, historically, in Ontario, the Canadian Federation of Students has been the most progressive of the three umbrella organizations. I've been involved in various levels, most at the local level, with the Canadian Federation of Students Ontario over the years. I haven't been for a few years. I can speak to as recently as 2006 when I was first starting my anti-war and Haiti Solidarity Student Clubs and got some support from the Federation. Since 2006, the Canadian Federation of Students Ontario is the only one of the three umbrella organizations that hasn't actually applauded the government for raising tuition fees, for one example. Now, the other student unions have done some good work that is progressive, specifically around credit transfer 
gender violence on campus. But for the most part, it really is the Canadian Students Ontario that holds the flag of progressive values and resistance in terms of student unions in our province. Now, the other part to that is, unfortunately, as a progressive, most of our student union locals at the college level are members of the College Student Alliance and not the Canadian Federation of Students. So what we have in Ontario is a lot of campuses that are nowhere near as active as they could be because they are part of a large organization whose values you know, sometimes lead them to you know, applaud the government for raising tuition fees on students. And that's the setting that we're organizing in, right? There hasn't been as much activity on our community college campuses compared to our university campuses in Ontario. And the faculty strike really sparked a fire in students. And, you know, we had elected student union leaders from community colleges holding a rally at Queen's Park and being like, hey, both sides need to, you know, put their differences aside and come together and fix this. It's the students first. And, you know, we don't care about faculty or admin. We just want a solution which really, you know, make no sense because faculty were fighting for better quality education for students in the classroom. So, you know, I started organizing after the, the Humber Rally. James started organizing at Centennial. Other folks were organizing at Sheridan, at Algonquin, at St. Clair College. And as the strike progressed, we kept building momentum because there was just such a void of progressive voices from our leadership on campus that we ended up filling that void and creating students' faculty fairness, which has now become Ontario Students United. Tell me more about the strike and about why you thought it was important to act in solidarity with faculty. One of the major issues that we're facing is the standard across any industry is 70% full-time, 30% part-time workers. And the college system in Ontario is riddled the other way around. We only have 30% full-time faculty members, while 70% are contract workers. And that resonates, again, to the quality of education. But the other aspect, too, that was the main issue for our faculty this time around is the academic freedom. When you've got professors who have a doctorate degree and then they don't have the ability to use their experience to draw on and to educate students in their own classroom, what's the purpose of having someone with a doctorate degree in the class? We also live in a country, too, where education should be a right. They say it is, but let's be honest, it really isn't. We live in a society where it's a right if you could pay for it. I'm a firm believer everybody should have the quality of education on all levels, no matter what your income is or your social location. My history is one riddled with many social issues. And when I left the profession I was, I, I was working 60-hour work weeks. And the only reason why I came back to get formally educated, so I didn't have to work 60-hour work weeks. Now, here's the problem. I'm getting into a field where I'm going to be working 60-hour work weeks. But guess what? I'm only going to be getting paid for 30 or 40 hours. It's intertwined. People don't understand that you know these issues that our faculty are facing do affect us. And the fact that when we graduate, is they're going to be walking into this the moment we graduate. And on the fact that we could do something about it now, or wait till we get into the workforce, and it's too late. Our faculty made that sacrifice. You know, they stayed on the lines for five weeks, and we need to honor that and continue the fight. In regards to the part-time, full-time faculty load, one thing that the College Employer Council, which was the side that was negotiating for the employer, was asking for was to have the ability in the future to have as many part-time faculty members as possible. Let's picture that. Can you imagine a program where every single faculty is part-time working 20 hours? Can you picture who would be there to go to and knock on the door and be like, hey, ask some questions about the work that I'm doing right now? Who would be there for that extra time making sure that all the exams are marked? What would be proposed by the CEC was really precarious academic work on campus on steroids. And the faculty were like, no, for quality of education, we need to make sure we have full-time faculty on our campuses, in our classrooms. And also, the faculty were also asking for academic freedom in the classroom because who knows us better than our teachers? Who knows our needs better than our teachers and our programs? And they want to have the ability to make more decisions in the classroom that best suit the needs of students. 
And we're seeing that right now, how it's playing out after the strike. So the colleges came up with blanketed solutions to try to make sure to salvage the semester. Uh, and he means salvage the semester in the wake of having lost five weeks of instructional time due to the strike. But I say it's blanketed solutions because they're trying the same thing to social workers, liberal arts students, as they are to engineering and nursing students. And the needs and how much time you need to actually get those skills, the flexibility in spreading things out over next semester and whatnot, are very different for an engineering student than it is for a community worker student like myself. So those are some of the issues that were at hand during the strike. And that's why, you know, when students start seeing that, when parents start to see that, they were like, yo, this is really unfair. Faculty are fighting for better quality of education, and the CEC is roadblocking them. And that's what really energized students and got people mobilized. How did what later became Ontario Students United get started during the strike? The way that we got started in terms of organizing... To a T, every single one of us at all the different campuses was very organic and grassroots. We all just, you know, saw the call out for rallies at our various schools and went out, started supporting faculty. We all went online, started making progressive posts. And yeah, it was just, you know, a handful of students at each campus getting involved, really just throwing themselves into the fire and, you know, posting online, sharing articles, showing up in solidarity at rallies. And it was really that. This wasn't a top-down, planned-out orchestrated movement. This was really people getting involved and just doing whatever they can, whatever felt right. And how did those spontaneous acts of solidarity turn into connecting with one another and getting organized? To be honest, it's exactly what Mo was saying. The more and more we saw other people doing the exact same thing that we were doing at one campus or in one program, and it's just it just resonated with people too as well. People feel in the school system that they don't have a voice. And what really sparked the interest was the fact that, you know, when we did start to speak up, people started coming to us and to other leaders in different areas of the province. And one of the things I keep hearing all the time is, James, I just didn't know where to start or what to do, you know, but you guys have provided that platform. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. There was two real big catalysts for us. One was OPSU, the Ontario Public Service Employees Union, which represents the full-time faculty on campus and is actually organizing around the part-time faculty on campus. They held a really big rally at Queen's Park. I wasn't actually able to attend, but I had made contact with James leading up to the rally, and James attended, and he connected with other students at the rally. So that was one big watershed moment. The big Queen's Park rally organized by OPSU really started to bring lots of individual students together. And then maybe a week and a half afterwards, the week before the strike ended, we organized our first student-led, student-organized solidarity rally in support of faculty at George Brown College. And myself and James and a few others were some of the core organizers around that, including folks from the 15 Fairness campaign in Toronto. And the rally at George Brown really brought another layer of students, some folks that we had been talking to online and other folks that we hadn't connected with yet. But the first student-led rally was really what was the glue in terms of us coming together. And then a week later, the strike ended. And then we reorganized around Ontario Students United. What kinds of conversations did you have with other students in your classes and on your campuses, particularly around your emphasis on solidarity with faculty? Personally, every conversation I've had so far has all been basically from the same point of view as the rest of us as well. Students are a lot smarter than people like to give them credit for. We understand the issues. You know, the majority is a mature student. It's a little bit different when, you know, you're 40 years old and you've got a family and a business and, you know, school and placement to look after than just being in class. Our students do understand it. The fact that you're treating human beings, and that includes us too as well, as a commodity, as, you know, something to be used and thrown away. Let's be honest, that's exactly what they're doing. When you've got faculty that's been around for 15 years and they can't get full-time placement, what's left for somebody who's uneducated? These are bigger social issues. 
for folks who are listening from outside of Ontario, to put a bit of context, there was not as much support as a lot of us would have liked. A few years ago, when the support staff at the Ontario Community Colleges, also represented by OPSU, had a labor dispute. Parents and students, you know, we had wanted them to be more supportive, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. And it was a really uphill battle in terms of public support. And that's what I was expecting. And many of us were expecting in terms of the faculty strike this past year, but it was not the case at all. We had a large majority of, you know, I, I mean, I don't have the numbers behind this, but I mean, there was definitely a sentiment where there was tons of support from parents, from students, unlike what we had expected and unlike what we had seen in the past. And I think part of the reason for that, one, is the nature of how precarious work and precarity generally in society is creeping in even more year after year after year in Ontario, of course, and other places. So this is hitting home to a lot more people who aren't directly impacted by the faculty strike, the general issues of precarity. But also, there were Ontario College presidents that were like, you know, trying to get, you know, six-figure raises, right? And really pushing for huge raises for administration while they were pushing back against staff and faculty. And that didn't play out very well for them. And finally, the bargaining team from the faculty, from OPSU, did a great job in terms of getting the message out there. They were direct to the point, talked very directly to the people, called out the misinformation that was being spread by the media. And yeah, that led to there being a ridiculous amount of support from students and from parents, one that I wasn't expecting and a lot of us weren't expecting. So after the faculty were legislated back to work, why did you and the other students that you were organizing with decide that you needed to keep going? You needed to turn this into an ongoing organization? When you legislate somebody back to work, you take really their basic human rights. As a worker, we have a right to strike. And the fact that the rights were violated goes to show that at any moment, none of us, you know, nothing we do matters. You know, when you slam an anvil down and say, this is what it's going to be. That energy, that really energized feeling on campus and that want to mobilize the students was still there. Obviously, students were like, hey, we need to make sure that on an individual level, get you know, work done and finish the semester. But folks were still like, yeah, what happened was wrong and we didn't have a voice. And especially once the strike ended and the colleges all came up with their own plan of how to salvage the semester. And, you know, some folks were like, well, semester is going to end in a few weeks. Other folks were like, well, the semester is going to be extended and this is for months. Winter is going to be cut. And students are like, well, this is just being thrown on us. We're not having dialogue happening. We're just being told this is how things are going to happen. And we're not being given any input. And this is stuff that really matters. So the frustration was there. The energy was there, though. Why is there not more of a student voice on campus? That question did not go away. The clearest example of seeing that was 10%, right? 10%, tens of thousands of students left their programs this semester. Folks were given a choice to get a full refund if they left their programs. And 10% of community college students, approximately 25,000 community college students said, okay, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm leaving my program. And, you know, the main reason is because of how things were rolled out during the strike and also after the strike. So, yes, the energy and the frustration was definitely still there. If anything, it was even more amplified because now it was the students getting impacted a lot more directly in terms of the plan to roll out to salvage the semester post-strike. But again, it's good to point out that most students are focused on just getting their assignments done and getting their exams done. But that doesn't mean that they're not just as pissed off and just as energized and just as much looking for a way to increase the student voice and democracy on campus. Where does Ontario Students United have a presence in terms of where in the province and in terms of what kinds of programs? We definitely got a foothold in the GTA. 
Uh, and the GTA is the greater Toronto area. When it comes to programs, it's not just one demographic in the school system. You know, I've been talking to people in the trades. I've been talking to people in the social service field. I've been talking to people in the business aspect of it, too, as well. So, you know, it's spreading and spreading. We're active right now at Algonquin, Sheridan, George Brown, Centennial, and St. Clair Colleges, and Guelph Humber as well. And we've had students reach out to us who are in active conversations to actually organize chapters at Fanshawe, Seneca, Humber, again, Loyalist, Canador. What we plan on doing in terms of animating the rest of the campuses is we're going to be having a speaking tour where I'll be going campus to campus and organizing town halls to have a conversation with students at Fanshawe, Canador, etc. about starting chapters of Ontario Students United. And then hopefully that will springboard into the February 6th Day of Action organized by the Canadian Federation of Students Ontario Student Day of Action in the province. Tell me more about the Day of Action that you organized in December. To me, it was a success. It was a message. The message got out. The fact that you know, we're upset. The fact that we believe that we could swing the tides and, and that the momentum is growing. For me, it's never about the amount of population that's involved. This is a small win. We need to continue to build our momentum and move forward. You know, the fact that this wasn't at one school or at one campus, but, you know, four or five different schools with multiple campuses just goes to show that this isn't just in one area of the province that people are feeling this way. At Centennial College, we disrupted the school, we disrupted the class. We walked through school twice with our chants, our posters, and we had most of the school shut down for that whole hour where all the students came out into the hallway, faculty came out in the hallway, cheered us on. You know, we were escorted by security, security was involved. We were very upfront about it. So there was walkouts at Centennial and at George Brown, and a few of the other schools had outreach actions because we didn't have the capacity for full walkout because, again, a lot of students to catch up on their work. Yes, George Brown was classified as a success, too, as well, where they occupied the president's office and handed the list of demands. And what kinds of demands is Ontario Students United making? One thing that we want is more democracy on campus. Definitely, as an organization, we definitely do feel that there should be a lot more democracy on campus. Students don't have much of a democratic voice in terms of decision-making on campus. Faculty have a more limited voice. That's one of the things faculty are fighting for, right? More academic freedom. We want the same kind of democratic voice and democratic seat on our local campuses. So, for example, the way that the strike ended and the colleges rushed to make decisions without consulting students, for the most part, and putting us in situations that are really not geared for us to succeed, as we saw by 10% of students, 25,000 students leaving the semester after the strike, you know, we want structures in place that allow us to give a voice and allow us to have a conversation with administration, with faculty, with support staff to actually build a stronger, more democratic campus with a greater student voice. So, yeah, you know, we want to talk about remuneration for our financial hardship. We also want to talk about how to build democracy on campus. So next time there's a situation like this, be it a strike, be it a lockout or something else, there are structures in place for students to have a stronger voice than currently exists. So for a student who might be listening, who is on a college campus in Ontario that doesn't have a chapter of Ontario Students United, what would your suggestions be for getting a chapter started? Like I mentioned earlier, we're organizing a speaking tour in January. We want to have as many town halls in January before the day of action on February 6th as possible. But of course, we're open to having town halls throughout the semester. But if somebody wants to get involved on their campus, they want to get involved with OSU, step one is, hey, 
let's organize as many students as we can in a room together and have a conversation about the needs of your specific local campus and the best way to achieve it. Like, we can't sit here, James and I, from Toronto and be like, yo, y'all should do this in Northern Ontario, or y'all should do that in Belleville. But we definitely can help facilitate that conversation and provide resources and support and definitely help get it off the ground. But step one is definitely having a conversation at the local campus about the needs of the campus and also the best way to achieve the goals. And we're definitely more than happy to help facilitate that through our town hall tour or in other ways that work best for folks. I think it's really simple. If you're a college student and you've been a college student on Ontario campuses, you've seen that we don't have enough of a student voice. You see there's a lot of issues, a lot of holes, and there's a lot of great faculty who make our community great. There's a lot of great support staff who make our community great and a lot of students who made our community great, but not enough structures in place to really serve as a conduit for greater democracy and greater building of community on our campus. And that's what we're fighting for. And we're going to be fighting alongside faculty, alongside support staff. So, you know, really, if you want to fight, if you want to build our college campuses, if you're a student, OSU is the best place to start. You know what? Reach out and contact us. Let us know how you feel. This is not just about our message, too, as well, because we're always willing to expand and explore the more feedback we get, we also have to evaluate our goals and where we would like to be. Now we're constantly changing and we're constantly, you know, having communications. Like Mo said, this is not a top-down approach, right? This is a healing circle because you know what? At the end of the day, our system is broken and it needs to be healed. We can look at it as a healing circle and develop new strategies that work. Put it this way, I've got a student who contacted me and she word for word basically told me like, you know what, James, they don't care if I fail. She's 6% off from graduating in order to get into a certain program. And she's like, you know, you know the method I get, James, that's okay if you fail, just come back next semester. How's the person supposed to feel or act when they feel like they're nothing but a paycheck? You know, and I think that needs to change. So get active, reach out. And if, even if you don't align with our own models, um, you know what, start your own group. And I'll just add one more thing to that. One of the core tenets of Ontario Students United is to not be a top-down organization like a lot of other organizations and structures on campus. We try to be as democratic as possible. One student, one voice. One campus, one voice. So there's definitely a lot of space to bring your own initiatives, but also your own perspectives, your own strategies, your own tactics to the larger organization. We try to be as open to making sure that everybody has a voice and has space to organize within our work. And if you want to get involved, Ontario Students United at gmail.com. I think it's just important to thank all the students who've come out in support, first in support of faculty, and since then, you know, in support of the work that OSU is doing. And that's important because at the end of the day, we're just a few students who are trying to make a difference. And without all the students who have been supporting this work, the thousands of students who are supporting the work that we're doing, supporting the fight that faculty had, we wouldn't be here right now. So it's important to recognize that all of this is possible because of the strength in numbers that we've had due to the support from Ontario Community College students. Thank you. You have been listening to my interview with James Favell and Muhammad Ali Omir about Ontario Students United. To learn more about their work, search for Ontario Students United on Facebook. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>